Hi, I'm Wendy Francis, nutrition therapist, emotional eating expert, and entrepreneur. I've helped countless people overcome their obsession with food and weight. Isn't it time you overcame what you had become and ignite who you were meant to be? Your time to become an overcomer starts now. Welcome to the Overcoming Emotional Eating Podcast. We all think that making change is going to be easy, but there are specific steps that we actually need in order to make change happen. In today's episode, I'll teach you how to make change and to take the specific steps to move you into success. Take a listen. Hi, everybody. It's Wendy. I am, as always, so excited to be here with you tonight. Um, for our call. As you continue to uncover your best you and work on your weight loss journey, I always think about what I'm going to bring to calls. What's going to be most important in your factor, in, um, in your journey in weight loss? And I know that one of the biggest things that people talk about is moving into action. It's not just about the planning the preparation, etc., because we can all make great plans. We can all make smart goals, right? If you use the acronym, we can all do a number of things on paper. We can draw, we can, you know, I've, I've done so much different processing with people. I've seen it done in so many ways. But what interests me so much is the psychology of action, moving into action in anything in life can be difficult. And my interest, and has been, you know, for the last 26 years, my real interest in this whole plight in our journey in life is how we actually move into making the change. We can think about about it, we can understand it, we can seek expert advice, um, we can try things, we can experiment, and we need to eventually move into action on making the change. And how do we do that? You know, the, the psychology of moving into action is really interesting. I've had uh, work with so many clients over the years, I often wonder, you know, as I'm working with someone, which direction will this person go. I have a great, a great little uh, riddle for you tonight. A simple math question. Five frogs are sitting on a log. Four of the frogs decide to jump off. How many frogs are left? Did you answer one? The correct answer actually is still five. This is because there is a difference between deciding and doing. And you see, my friends, that's what this call tonight is really all about. We can decide, we can make it up in our mind. As Oprah Winfrey said at her 2020 vision seminar, I can, I will, watch me. Very powerful statement because it says, I can, I've made the decision, I will, I've further decided. Now watch me move into action. 
As we go through tonight's call, I want you to hear that mantra because it's very powerful if you think about what it means for you in weight loss, what it means for you in changing your relationship with your food and your eating. You can, you will, and I am honored to watch you. You see, going from planning to action is harder than many people think, and depending on your personality, it can be even more painful than one can imagine. You see, there are a variety of constructs of personality, and I won't go into all of that in tonight's call because that would take up all of our time. But just so you understand the basics, there are certain people in life that are highly analytical. They think about things a lot. They may like to work with numbers. They may like to understand those things. And so they're highly analytical. Those types of personalities have a little bit more t difficult time moving into action. For an individual who's what we call a driver, somebody that continues to drive goals, move forward, move ahead, no matter what, forge on, right? These are the action-oriented individuals. These are people that move into action very fast. For that type of personality, what I worry about and work on is more with respect to let's not burn out. Let's not move too quick, too much. Let's make it methodical. Let's move forward in a system. Let's make it work for you so you can understand in that action as opposed to just driving forward. So as you think about, when I think about the psychology of moving into action, we have to really think about the psychology of your personality. Who are you? How do you usually move into action? And then what's your Achilles heel? I've watched people for so long stay in the I can, I can, I can, as a little engine I could said, I think I can, right? But I can, I can, I can, and they never move to watch me. So if that's more of your personality type where you're more likely to think and decide and think and decide and think and decide and analyze, then for you, your psychology of moving into action is going to be about putting a boundary around it, meaning I'm going to give myself one week or two weeks, or whatever you think is appropriate, right? I'm going to give myself one week to understand how to eat, to understand what my relationship with food is, to understand what I need to change, to understand my obstacles, my solutions, etc. I'm going to give myself one week to do that. And at the end of that week, I'll begin. Conversely, for someone that jumps into action very quickly, you might say, I'm going to give myself two days to understand everything about this. What are my obstacles? What are my solutions? Um, what are the varying degrees of success for me in this adventure? And understanding that before you leap. So one is slowing down the process. The other is speeding up. So you can move into, I can, I will, watch me. There are seven specific ways I brought to tonight's call to move from deciding to doing, to move from I can, I will, to watch me. And as we go through these seven ways, I want you to really recognize how these things show up for you in changing your food or changing your relationship with your food. I'll further bring that bridge 
along the path for you so you can see. But I always like for your mind to think about this as a life investment as well as a food and emotion investment and to see both congruently. So number one, stop waiting until conditions are perfect. This is so important. Dr. Phil said it best when he said someday is not a day of the week. Oh, I'll do that someday or I'll do that one day. Or better yet, I've heard from clients for years, I'll start Monday. <laughs> Everything starts on a Monday. But what if it's Tuesday? You've got to wait six more days, right? Stop waiting until conditions are perfect. If you're waiting for everything to be perfect, in order for you to get something started, you will be waiting forever. I'm working on a brand new adventure. And I kept waiting for some other things to slow down before I started this brand new adventure. And I finally realized in December that it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so, so you see, even myself, I, I fall into this trap, right? It was a, it, it's a brand new adventure that I'm launching and I'm really excited to do. It's been in my heart for two years. And I kept waiting for some other things to slow down and they didn't. And I said, you know what? It's time. I'm just going to leap. I've got some people to help me now, and we're going to get it going. But you see, I recognize that what I teach you all is, is not just what I preach. It's what I do. Nothing is ever perfect, and you will wait for forever until they are. There's always going to be something that's not right or could be better or could be less busy or could be this or that. The best time is right now to start whatever you need to. Number two, stop, get up, and do it. Now, I know that sounds really basic, but to become a doer, to become somebody that's in a doing mode, you just have to start. The most successful doctors I've worked with are ones that have just jumped in and done it. Yes, They've gotten a little headway in learning a little bit and understanding some things, but they've gone in and they've just jumped in and done it. When I started my private practice, I really just found an office space and did it. I did that. I had passion. I had heart. I had some training. I knew I had some people that could continue to train me, and I jumped in. There is no better time than the present to do it. So now is the time for you to change your relationship with your food, change how you eat, what you do. Now, this moment today is the time to grab that and do it. Think no further. Because number three really is stop overthinking things. There's a time for thinking and analyzing and understanding, absolutely. But when we overthink things, we start to get paralysis of analysis. We've all heard that. Many people laugh about that, but it's really true. I've seen clients on both ends of the spectrum, my, my clients with anorexia, as well as my clients with compulsive overeating or emotional eating, both become paralyzed, truly paralyzed, because they've analyzed what they've eaten, how much, and what could they do, and where could they go, and how much should they exercise, and what could they do, da 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 We start to analyze things to the point that we can't move forward. 
we, we obsess over how conditions aren't perfect or how much time do we have to commit or we can come up with a whole host of reasons not to move forward. Yes, there's a time to think about things, but don't think about things to the point that they stop you from becoming a doer. Number four, once you get started, remember to take continuous action. Make sure you keep your momentum going by doing something every day related to what you're trying to change, even if it's small. Uh, you know, I've met with so many clients, and, and sometimes we come up with these great big ideas. Great big. I mean, I can remember one of my fir- very first clients in private practice way, way, way back when, but she still sticks in my mind. She came in, and she, she had severe anorexia. It was so, so severe, she was, she was dying and almost had to go in the hospital. I remember her coming in, being so afraid, because her doctor said if, if she didn't you know, gain three pounds in the next week, he was going to put her in the hospital. Period. And she was scared to death, and she came in my office, and she said, I'm going to eat 3,400 calories this week. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I was like, whoa, 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 that's a lot from where you are. Let's try to make some small goals. And she said, I know I can do the 3,400. I'm going to do it. And so in my mind, I wanted her to do that. In my heart, I knew that she couldn't do that. The threshold that she was at would not allow her to do that. And so I said, great, we'll make a 3,400 calorie plan. And then let's also talk about just some little action steps you could do every day if you don't get to that 3,400 plan. And she swore up and down she was going to do that. And sure enough, two days in, she called me and said, I'm really glad that we made that secondary plan because I really truly can only make those one to two steps every day that you highlighted. And the truth is, when she came back in three days later, I was just as excited for her. Because what she did is she took continuous action, and that starts momentum. Just like we see this little snowball, right, coming down the hill, it can turn into a great big avalanche. Because that continuous momentum is what we build upon. So once you start, Even if you need to vary it, even if you fall off and you need to get back up, but you can't get back up 100%, take that continuous action, one small task daily. For those of you that might be trying to meditate or do something grounding for yourself like that, I've had clients say, well, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to meditate for 20 minutes a day because that's what the internet says. Okay, great. Strive for the 20 but take the two, right? On days that are busy for me, I don't have 20. I'm sorry. (laughs) And so I might get the two when I wake up or before I go to bed, but it keeps me in the momentum of knowing and thriving in my change, yeah? Number five, use your action to overcome fear. Now, This is so imperative. I know that nobody talks about fear and weight loss. Nobody talks about fear and change. I'm going to tell you fear is rampant in moving into action, 
in weight loss. Fear is all over the place. Most people just don't talk about it. And here's what I've learned about fear. If you keep fear in the corner of your office or your room, it grows bigger. The one way that fear shrinks is, is you turn around and you face it, you understand it, and you can move through it. The action can actually be a cure for fear. The more you move, the less that fear gets in the way. When we stay stagnant and just kind of think about a change and think about a change, think about changing our food or, or what if I were going to move this around in my kitchen so it looked different, but I'm not so sure everyone's going to like that, but I know it would be better for me because then I'd actually sit when I eat. The truth is just do that. The action actually helps us overcome the fear. It's just like public speaking. Right? For any of you that have ever been made, I was made, <laughs> some of you may have been made, for anybody that's ever been made to stand up in front of a classroom and give a talk, you know how terrifying that is the first time you do it. There's a rare person that thrives that first time. Most of us, we shake and quake and are afraid and think about it the night before. And I remember, oh my God, what am I going to say? And what am I going to do, right? Now it's part of what I do for a living. And once you get up in front of that audience and you're in that action, yes, you'll still be afraid. Do you ever notice how it diminishes? And the longer you up, up there, the more it diminishes. And by the time the end of someone's speech is over, they've come down from that high level of panic to a nice subset of maybe I was just afraid and or it wasn't so bad. So use your action to overcome your fear. Number six, make sure you focus on the present moment. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is right now. Yes, if we had planted those seeds 20 years ago, we would have started losing weight 20 years ago, right? We would have a full-grown tree to provide us with shade right now. Or we would have you know, lost the weight that we had gained and be back to our normal weight right now. But if we don't plant that tree now 20 years in the future, we'll still be standing there without a tree. Right? So focus on what you can do in the present moment in time. not what you did back then, what you should have done back then, if I would have only, then I should have done this. There are more and more therapeutic techniques. I just learned about one two weekends ago. More and more therapeutic techniques that are really trying to teach people how to release the past. Because what we do when we hold that past, one, we're more likely to hold the traumas from the past, it's rare that I have people that work with clients that are holding the great things from the past and those beautiful memories that are just thriving. Most of us have to be reminded about that. And what we hold are the bad things, right? And when we do that, we can't let go of the past. And we can't focus on the present. You need all your energy to focus 
on the present, when you're trying to change something, when you're trying to move into action, you need energy, period. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual energy to move. If you're stuck in the past and not in the present, you can't get that energy to do that. Number seven, and finally, eliminate distractions. Have you ever jumped on your computer to write an article, responding to emails or checking your, you know, Facebook or Instagram or searching the internet? And we live in a world of all this noise around us all the time. In fact, one of my biggest challenges as a mom, and I never thought I would say this, one of my biggest challenges as a mom is trying to teach my teenagers how to decrease their noise in their lives. They are drowning in noise. And we can do the same thing too. If we eliminate those distractions, we have so much more energy to give to our action. Sure, I could totally stay on all these social media platforms all day long and get nothing done. I choose not to. I put boundaries around them. I create specific times for them. Or I put it in gaps where I know I'm not doing anything or couldn't do anything. So eliminate those distractions so you can have the energy to cook what you need to cook, to change your relationship with food, to maybe look at your psychosocial uh, environment and situations a little bit differently, to get you in a supportive environment so that you can truly thrive physically, mentally, emotionally. So eliminate those distractions so you can actually propel yourself forward in this journey. Martin Luther King said it best when he said, take the first step in faith. Don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. He knew, just like I know, and you've heard on this call that the most imperative thing to do is move into action. I'm going to open up the lines and unmute everybody so we can talk, you can ask questions in any way. Anybody have any questions or comments or things that I can help with tonight? Hi, Wendy. Hi. Um, I just had a comment about what you just said. Um, this is kind of funny. So um, we had the smoker, right, for the weekend um, yeah. to smoke meat. <laughs> mm -hmm. and. Um, it just sat and sat, and so I just was looking at it. I, I couldn't stand the thing. My husband brought it in. I just wheeled it out, and I smelled meat for the first time. <laughs> and, you know, I've never done that, and now I'm just completely into it, and there's all these different things about it, and it was a lot of fun. But you're right. If you just kind of go head first into it, sometimes that's a lot better than just staring at it and wondering what you're going to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I find for, for many things, just like that, like smoking, you know, your meat, it's kind of just like just, there, there isn't anything else but to learn how to turn it on and go for it, right? Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you for trying something new and just Thank jumping you. in. Yeah. And the more we do that and recognize that we've done it, the more we'll do it again because we realize there's nothing to be afraid of. So that's awesome. I love it. How'd you like it? It was so good. And everybody loved it and it made people happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, 
more importantly, just the process of setting it up and everything. Um, I'm a complete nerd about it now. <laughs> a lot of con- <laughs> Or we could call you a connoisseur. Yes. <laughs> right? I like that That's word true. <laughs> Yeah. Thank right. you. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Good for you. Thank you for coming on. Great comment. Anybody else, any questions, comments, or things I can help with tonight? Hi. Hi. Um, I just started. I'm on day three. Congratulations. Um, and so I was just wondering, for, thank you, um, from everyone, if there was just, you know, just what is motivating everyone around, out, you know, on this call, just things, uh, little pieces of wisdom or anything else just to keep the motivation. Because I usually do pretty good when it's really structured and when it gets off that structure that, you know, I falter a little bit. So. Yeah, and I'll, I'll answer on, on my end, but I'd love for other participants because you asked for other participants. Anybody have um, any thoughts on motivation for our, our caller? Well, I'm on um, about probably day 30 now, and I've definitely had struggles. Um, not terribly, though. I mean, I'm like you. I do better with some structure and accountability. And I was a little nervous coming off of that, off the shakes, um, you know, because that's like day nine, I think. And then you're like, oh, my God, i got to make a meal. And so it's a little dicey, you know, but if you just um, go on the website, the community stuff, people are really helpful there. And just, you know, just try to stay steady and, and just follow the book. Um, and I, I need to take my own advice sometimes, but... Um, if you do that more than not, and if you mostly do that, you're, you're going to have results. And, you know, like she was saying, take a baby step. If, it's, if you don't have a 100% day, you know, don't, don't blow the whole day off because breakfast got off. You know, pick yourself up and dust yourself off and say, well, I messed up at breakfast, and now I'm going to do better and get my LRG9 on time, and I'll, I'll make sure I get my lunch right. And, you know, I, I would just say don't panic would be my advice. That's great advice. I love that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Sure. Other callers have advice for our caller on motivation, what helps motivate you through your days, the plan. I have one. Yeah. Um, Non-scale victories. So, you know, you hear that, but um, man, it means a lot. Like, if your clothes are fitting better, you feel more energetic. Don't forget those because the scale can be, I'll, I'll try to, the scale can be a witch. <laughs> I'll try to put it nicely. Um, it is a fickle, you know what, um, and it can really mess with your head after a long time on the program. So just stay with what you're doing no matter what because if you don't see it on the scale, you'll start feeling it in your clothes and you'll feel it in your step. You'll feel a little bit lighter. Um, and it comes, it's kind of, comes kind of quietly, but then all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, I don't remember seeing this part before. <laughs> so, um, stick with those too. Don't forget those. I love that non-scale. Yeah. You said non-scale victories. Yes. I love that term. That's a great term. And so important, right? So how you're feeling in your clothes, you said your energy levels, um, all of which can be true. It's so interesting because so many people don't recognize what can actually contribute to a weight shift that isn't real weight, like fecal matter, 
holding onto some water with fluid retention. And there's a host of other things. There's a number of other metabolic things, hormonal things, et cetera, that can have us hold some fluids and we'll release them naturally on our own, especially if you just stay on the plan and keep kind of plodding ahead like she was saying, and don't let the scale mess with your mind. Know that it works if you just kind of take that first step in faith and know that it will happen and not let the scale waylay you in those moments knowing, yeah, I'm eating on plan. There's no way this can't work, right? But it could be constipation. It could be, you know, so it could be fecal matter. It could be water or fluid. And, and all of that, I've seen people kind of jump off, so to speak, and then, you know, overeat, eat some things they may not, you know, may not should have done. And then, and then they wind up in this whole roller coaster ride. So I really love that you mentioned that. Thank you, caller. I want to piggyback on that real quick because um, one of the things about the scale that um, I didn't really think about until we got on this program is, you know, what if, you know, those scales usually measure in half-pound increments, right? I think almost all of them are half-pound increments. What if you're almost to that half-pound, but you don't know it because the scale isn't that sensitive? Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're, the next day you're going to go a half pound, but the scale is not showing you that on a certain day because it just you haven't chipped the scale quite enough and you get discouraged, but you were right on the edge of rolling up that half pound, but you didn't stay the plan because you got discouraged. You know, the, you could be right on the edge of the next little weight loss victory, um, but you don't give it a chance. You don't give the scale a chance to tip. Yeah, I love that. And it's so true, right? It's like if we're, you know, if we're, I I mean, I liken it to, there's so many times I've tried to find a house or find somewhere I really wanted to go. And you keep trying, 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 and you can't get there. Yet if you you give up, you're never going to get there, right? You just have to GPS it again or right go down the next road, right? So I think that's a great, great advice. Excellent advice. I love that. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. And you never know when you're going to tip over, right? I mean, it could just, it could, you could be right there at four-tenths of a pound, and just one more day you'll tip over and you'll see it. Right. This is going to sound a little bit crude, but <laughs> Wendy, you taught me through this, these calls. Um, you could be <laughs> one bowel movement away from, from passing up a plateau. <laughs> uh-huh. It's and I. I, I know that sounds awful, but it's so true. It, it happens. Mm-hmm. It does happen. Thank you so much, caller, because I know sometimes when I, when I tell individual clients that, they're like, no, and I'm like, I, I swear. <laughs> I've been doing this so long. Please, please, please just trust me. You haven't gone to the bathroom in three or four or five days, and you've hit a plateau if we just get your bowels moving, I promise you, it will start to shift. And sure enough, so many people have hung in there and done it now. But it's so true if you just hang in there with that plateau, if it's due to constipation, um, just getting your bowels to move again. And, And we forget that our bowels hold so much, um, so much knowledge. And I know that sounds really strange, but we know now that our brain chemistry, the, the chemicals that are brought to our brain are brought there from yeah. our gut, period. Just so you know. 
okay? We make brain chemicals in our gut. We also monitor, I can also monitor metabolism by gut health because if you're not, if your GI system is not moving, it's telling me that cellularly you're not moving. Cellular movement is metabolism. So, so much we can learn from our bowels. That could be a phone call. Not tonight. It can be an interesting phone call. <laughs> Some people may not want to be on that. But, <laughs> but if, we ju- if we start to think about the knowledge that our bowels really can teach us, you can learn so much. And, yes, you can absolutely crack a plateau by going to the restroom if you're not. So thank you so much, caller. You're so, you're so right. Well, Wendy, I would like to piggyback off that also because that was one of my main problems. I suffer from constipation, and uh, so I had to tell the doc about it. And he's got a a, a very good uh, stool softener that he that's in the office that they sell in the office, and it's really good. And did it help you? Yes, it really did. Yeah, it really did. It helps everything. I mean, from clearing up our skin, you know, our body was meant to eliminate toxins. And toxins are in our fecal matter, right? So there's so much that can be said metabolically, physiologically, biochemically, from making sure that our bowels move. And then also we see the benefits, so to speak, and the product of, uh, of weight loss on the scale. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Did that help you, caller? I know, I don't know where that caller went. That was on the line that wanted some motivating tips. Did that help you, caller? Yeah, it did. It was great. It was great just to hear hear that from people. So thank you. Absolutely. Great. And I'm glad you're joining us. I know you're you're early on in your journey, but I'm glad that you popped on. I, I find that the people that come on these calls regularly and listen, you know, listen to the, to the recordings back that you can get through your specific doctor. Do better on the plan, and then once they get to goal weight. Um, and please know that once you lose the weight, it doesn't mean that you have to stop coming on the calls. I've had so many people ask me over the years, hey, like, I'm done with the program now, so thanks for the calls. And I'm like, you could still get on. We don't cut that off. There's a reason for that. Because learning is lifelong. You don't just learn while you're losing weight and then please don't learn just while you're losing weight and then forget everything. Because <laughs> that's not the point, right? <laughs> please don't do that. No. Right? No, no, no. Yeah. So, so that's what these calls are for. Please use them as regularly and as often as you like. Other questions, comments, things that I can help with tonight? Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? I sure can. All right. Uh, I read somewhere, I don't remember where, that although alkaline water you know, you know, can be very good, the person who wrote this article said it's not good to have alkaline water with your meal. And I'm curious about that. Is that accurate or not, or why would he say that? Great, great question. And there is some varied research on alkaline water. And remember, whenever you're reading research, See if you can find the uh, pH of the alkaline water that they're referring to. There is a radical difference between a pH of 13 and a pH of 8. 
Well, assuming that we have the pH of 8 or whatever it is that we can get at the office or in the supermarket, you know, it's always going to be in that range. Is that something to avoid having with a meal? And if so, why? If it's, so if it's 8 or 8.5, now in the grocery store, you're going to see 10s, 11s, and 12s now. Oh. Most of the time, you're going to see the higher pH values in the grocery stores. Every once in a while, I see 8.5. In a grocery store, but more than likely, I see a 10 or 11. Now, if you haven't drank any alkaline water that day, and you, you know, because you were on vacation and you just couldn't get to it, and you've had your water, but regular water, then having that big bottle of 10 is fine, right? Because you're kind of trying to counter, you know, kind of counter effect what you're doing. It, the research states if your pH is anywhere between 7 and 8 and you're doing that with a meal, it's fine. If you're in the 10, 11, and 12 ranges where you're going to wind up seeing the fact, so the acidity in our water helps to break down our food, just so you understand why the research would state that. If you're doing a really high pH, and I don't recommend that. We don't have that in the center in Virginia. I know all the docs that we educate that work with, with the rest of you clients, if you're not in the Virginia office, if you're across the country at other facilities, that those docs are, are getting water more so in that 8, 8, 8.5 range because that's really what's indicated. And so there isn't the, it is okay to eat with that with a pH of 7 to 8. Now, again, if you're going higher and higher, the research would say that you're not going to digest as easily and get the nutrients as easily. But, but I don't but, want people to go up in a pH of 10, 11, or 12. It's not but if, if it break, helps break down your food, you would think that you would get the nutrients. The acidity in your GI system helps break down your food and your nutrients. So if you're consuming a really high alkaline water, right. the research hypothesizes that those two things are counterbalanced and you might not break it down as easily. Interesting. Okay. Thank you. Okay. But again, so that's where I always look to, whenever I read research articles on pH, I always try and find what pH levels they, look, they, found, they were using and for how long. Okay. Okay? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. No, yeah, great question. Great question. I'm glad you brought that up. The research on the alkaline water probably has the, the most uh, pros and cons. It's probably the Hello. most controversial. Um, and we decide to keep it in the plan because we know that it can really benefit your body, especially if you've been so acidic for so long. And that's why we don't recommend going to extremes, why we don't have people going to the 10s, 11s, and 12s. We don't want to push any of that, you know, any of that extreme. Okay. But great question. Thank you. I have a question about that. When, uh, before I even started the plan, I had bought some pH urine test strip. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, and I still don't. <laughs> but, um, but I was curious, um, it, should I, I know those 
very imprecise, but I'm curious, shouldn't it be changing? Because I, I've just done it for kicks every now and then, just like, oh, let's just see. And I don't see anything different. So I don't know. I'm just curious about that. You bought the pH urine sticks? Yeah. And that's going to give you, because our urine is always acidic, even if you, even if you drink 10s, 11s, and 12s, and that's all you have, essentially we excrete ureic acid. We, ha we have okay. to. That's what urine is. You'll okay. never get a change in the pH of your urine because we excrete ureic acid. Okay. So you've got to get saliva. Ah, okay. 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 Yeah. All right. Good questions. Yeah, and so it's really, and I've had some people try to use um, pool water testing, pH strips. No, that's just for pool water testing because that's that tests the chlorine and the pH yeah. of chlorine, which is different. So it has to be saliva pH strips in order to get it, to get the right pH to see the change. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no, great, great. Um, thank you for bringing that up. It's a great question. Um, and it's one that can create confusion. So, um, yes, just go from your saliva. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Great question. Thank you all for joining me. I know how precious time is, and, and I just want to thank you for taking this time to continue to uncover your best you along your journey of weight loss. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. Rate, review, and subscribe. You never know who you'll help become the next overcomer.